Hey guys, today's episode is super exciting and a very special episode. And that is because for the past year, we've been working on creating our new online course called Spark My Relationship. And we're excited to announce that today is the day that it launches. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> so check out sparkmyrelationship.com for all the details. Yeah, we have collaborated with not one, not two, but 15 psychologists and therapists to create Spark My Relationship that not only teaches you the skills needed to create a successful and lasting relationship, but the tools to actually execute it. So as you know, we drill into your head in every episode and talk about how a mediocre relationship is easy, but a passionate, authentic, and satisfying relationship takes hard work. There's just no way around that. And since you're listening to this podcast, you likely already know that it takes hard work. But what you probably don't know are the specific tools and exercises needed to create lasting, positive improvements in your relationship. Change doesn't happen on its own. And that's why we created this course. It's to help couples just like us. It's why we also started this podcast, create more passion, improve communication, spice up the sex life, and build a stronger, more intimate connection. Because like you, we also struggle with communication issues, intimacy issues, forgiveness, and stress. So whether you're happy in your relationship and you want to ignite the passion, or you're struggling and you need to learn some healthy alternative forms of communication, then Smart My Relationship will guide you through making your relationship closer, stronger, and hotter. Spark My Relationship has helped us, and we know it can help you too. So the course teaches strategies marriage therapists actually teach their clients, and it includes a lot. It includes 18 therapist-taught video lessons, 21 workbooks and cheat sheets, over 25 relationship-strengthening exercises, and four mindfulness exercises. Plus, we have added bonuses like our private Facebook group where we'll have monthly Q&As with therapists, community support so you can cheer each other on. We'll be in there too. And an exclusive interview with Dr. David Rico about trust. And, you know, we talk about it all the time on the podcast. So not to just settle for an average relationship. And Sarah and I struggle with this too, because life can just get kind of easy and it's just kind of average, but we want to make it amazing. And that's why we created this course and we are so happy to share it with you. So on today's show, we brought on Dr. Deborah Campbell to talk with us about how we can keep the spark alive in our relationship or how we can reignite that spark for years to come. And so what Dr. Deb teaches us today is just a glimpse of what is covered in the course. So in today's show, she discusses the four components couples need to focus on to have a closer, stronger, and hotter relationship. And some of those topics include the importance of eliminating unhelpful bad habits that can lead to friction and unhappiness, healthy and successful communication tools, 
the biggest struggles couples have with reigniting their sex life, plus tips to spice it up, the importance of mindfulness to improve stress management, and why having shared dreams and desires can be so beneficial for celebrating our couple culture now and in the future. So it's like a little bit of a glimpse into the course uh, with today's episode with Dr. Deb. And you might be asking yourself, tell me more. Where do I, where do I find out more? Where can I get this course? So go to sparkmyrelationship.com and you'll also find the link in the show notes. And here's the big kicker for today only. We July 18th. Yeah, July 18th, <laughs> depending on when you're listening to this. We are offering an additional 10% off our promotional launch price. So if you're not listening on July 18th, you'll still get a discount. But if you're listening on July 18th, go to the website and you'll get an additional 10% off, which means you can buy the entire course at about 25% off. And not only is there this discount, but you also get added bonuses. And, and the bonus if you buy today is the Great Bedroom Makeover. It's a great little workbook that will help spice things up. And as the creator says, keep the dust out of the, out of the bed, which we definitely <laughs> want to do. And the benefit about buying on launch day is that not only will you get today's bonuses, but whenever there is a bonus added or an upgrade added to the course, it will always be included. So of course, whenever you buy, if you buy at a later time, you'll still get amazing benefits. But by buying today, you will have the most benefits and the most bonuses that you could possibly have with Spark My Relationship. So remember, for that additional 10% off and today's special bonus, head over to sparkmyrelationship.com and enter the promo code S as in Sam, M as in Mary, R as in Robert, 10. And again, that's sparkmyrelationship.com, promo code SMR10. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you check out the course and enjoy today's episode. Hi, Dr. Deb. Thanks so much for joining us back on the show. Hello. Thank you for having me back. For our listeners who haven't heard your last episode, why don't you tell us why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships? central to life, isn't it? I, I mean, if you don't have a happy relationship to come home to, somewhere soft to fall at the end of the day where you, you feel loved and accepted and relaxed, if you're not coming home to that, then not much of life really feels good. Yeah, it's kind of the central bedrock of, of a life, of a, of a good life. If you're in a, a relationship and how that relationship is is going to make a big difference on your overall outlook. It's just, it, it sounds like it, it just really can't be understated. And that's why we're so happy to, to have you back on the show and talk about four stages that couples can go through to create a stronger and hotter relationship. And I like this because we talk about it a lot on the show and you don't necessarily have to be arguing and just at 
each other's throats and on the verge of separation, someone sleeping on the couch, you name it, to to not be in a great place in your relationship. Because we, we want to certainly help those people in those situations, but to those people people out there, which I think are a lot of our listeners that are just kind of coasting along, they want to improve their relationship. We have some great tips today that are going to really catalyze. And, and honestly, Sarah and I are excited to, to use these ourselves because we're in the same boat and we, we want to take our relationship from, from good and, and try to make it great. And it's a constant process. So why don't we jump in and talk about the first of these four components? Sure. Um- one of the first things I usually have to face as a couple therapist with people is dealing with the stuff that's going wrong. And like you said, things don't have to be terrible for there to be some resentments building up on a daily basis or for there to be a situation where communication could be better um, could and, and things could be warmer and more flowing because it's very easy to take each other for granted when we live together and share family and life is busy. So often detoxing bad habits or becoming aware of unhelpful patterns is one of the first things I have to do with people and I think it's a really good place to start, becoming aware of, of what you could do better. What are some of the biggest habits that you come across that these couples need to detox from and, and get rid of in their relationship? A really big one, Sarah, is criticism. We often grow up in our family of origin or in schools or just in life in general thinking that criticism works and is, a, is an okay thing to do to, you know, in the guise of helping people or ourselves improve and we use the term sometimes constructive criticism like that's nice criticism but the fact is in intimate relationships when we're dealing with each other's most sensitive closest you know most most absolutely unprotected vulnerable parts criticism doesn't really have a place at all it just doesn't there's a place for saying when things aren't working for you And there's definitely a place for asking for help from your partner to make changes or to do things differently that are going to help you feel better and help things work better. But there's never really a place for saying you are not good enough in this way or or, you're, you're failing me in this way or that way or the way you are isn't right. That's never, ever going to get a relationship feeling better or stronger. It's only going to shut the other person down. And the thing I find most common with couples where things are going wrong is they just don't know that. They don't realize that criticism doesn't work in intimate relationships. I think, I don't know if Chase was, if this is new to Chase, but for me, it just kind of blew my mind that even, (laughs) (laughs) even, uh, what do you say? What kind of criticism? Um, Constructive criticism is... Mm is bad too, which I mean, I always thought that as long as it's trying to help the partner or have a positive, uh, has positive tone or anything could still be good, but that it's bad as well. Well, I I wouldn't go so far as to say bad. I think unhelpful would be the way I would say it in that, you know, what, what you think and what you feel is, is never really good or bad. It's your truth. But the way you say it, the way you, uh, uh, ask for something different that you want 
is either going to be unhelpful or helpful to you getting it. And I think when we start using the word you, 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 the other person can tend to go into defensiveness. And when they become defensive, uh, and then you probably become defensive going back and start justifying yourself and it becomes a one-up and it becomes a combative situation, you're no longer on the same team. So that's why I don't regard criticism as helpful to us in intimate relationships. You know, I just I just don't think that it's the right way to get what you want. It's, it's not going to work most of the time. It's going to go to a place of feeling not as good about each other and that's not what we want. So what I would do instead, because you're probably thinking, well, how do I express <laughs> when things aren't going right so I can help with that? What I suggest instead to people is to ask for what you want, to say, I'm feeling this particular way. For example, I'm feeling a bit hurt. I think it's because of this or that that happened, that you you didn't call or, you know, something went wrong or you raised your voice or something in it and I feel hurt. So... This is a really important bit. Could you please help me and insert the way you'd like it to be done differently next time, for example, by just taking a breath and not raising your voice? Or could you please help me by giving me a call if you know you're going to be late so I'm not worried about you? Could we just do that a bit differently? That's a great approach. And and one, I think it's actually a big area that Sarah and I need to work on because we work together on this podcast. We work together with pretty much uh, all, everything that we do. We, we both work from home. And, and so we're giving each other tips or <laughs> constructive criticism <laughs> a lot. And, and we often can get into a bit of uh, just not a healthy place with our communication. Like you said, one, one partner gets defensive and then the other uh, does eventually. And there, it's kind of this back and forth. So I know we'll be able to, to use those statements and, and uh, it's definitely a valuable thing to implement. And another factor and another thing that I imagine can be good in, in recognizing that this criticism is coming uh, that we're about to maybe give it out is mindfulness. And we talk about it a yeah. lot on the show. Maybe you can talk about just the importance of, of mindfulness in relation to this and other aspects of the relationship. The more I work with people and the, just the older I get, the more I do this, I realize that our mindfulness just underpins everything we do and everything we are because it gives us that chance to just lift out of the moment where we could react and we could make everything worse for ourselves. We could do something hurtful, say something hurtful. We could make a mistake that we're later going to regret and have to come back from. If we can be mindful in the moment, just take a breath, look at what we're feeling and what our thoughts are and what we're wanting to say or do and just ask, hey, is this going to be helpful? Is that helpful, unhelpful <laughs> again? Is what I'm about to say or do likely to help me feel closer to my partner? Is it likely to help them feel closer to me? Is it likely to resolve what's bothering us? Or is it likely to take us down an unhelpful path? If you can just be mindful enough to lift out of the reactivity for a split second before jumping and saying, you this or you that, or having a huff, you know, and, and storming about, you know, doing something that's going to make it worse. 
Mindfulness is just that moment, that self-awareness where you make the best, most helpful choice for you and the team, being your relationship or your, your family in that moment. Whatever aspect of life, really, it carries out into other things as well. It's so critical in, in all aspects of life. And it's one of those things, like a lot of the things we talk about, easier said than done, but it is worth the effort in, in, in getting there and incrementally getting better. And I imagine that when you have this foundation for mindfulness in your relationship, it's only going to help the other three stages that you have to really ignite and spark your relationship to make it even better. Yes, it's really it's really practice mindfulness, just to to practice becoming aware of our thoughts and feelings. And we can do that through having a little mindfulness practice by practicing some meditations or relaxations together, just so that you realize that you are actually able to watch your thoughts and feelings. You can observe your inner life. You don't have to just be on automatic pilot and a reactor to life. You can actually observe yourself and make helpful choices in your emotional life. And this is not something that a lot of us are taught growing up. No, and, and that's why it, it, you know doing this podcast has is, is highlighted the fact that we're not taught a lot of things that will help us <laughs> in relationships. Uh, and, and we kind of take for granted, like we're just supposed to be born with the ability to communicate or to have empathy in all situations or to not criticize. And, and we're just not. And if we're raised by good parents, which Sarah and I were lucky enough to have a great upbringing, but it, even then there's things that, that, uh, you know, I guess it's why we started this podcast to get these tools and to really be able to to dial in our relationship and, and share this information. So we we started with this first stage of detoxing the relationship to to help make our relationship even stronger and better. Before we move on to the second stage, are there any things that we missed uh, as far as detoxing? Yeah, there's a lot more depth in there. I think I'd I'd just touch on forgiveness. And um, that's really about the resentments that we can tend to store up when we live in really close quarters with someone. And no matter how much we love them, they're not us. We do things differently. And it's really easy to store up anything from very small resentments to when things have gone quite off track in a relationship, some kind of large ones. And we have to get to a place of saying, okay, Referring back to those resentments all the time isn't helpful, isn't going to move us towards a better relationship. So some work on forgiveness is usually necessary around understanding that you might not always uh, agree with some things that that have happened, but you have to find a place where you can say, hey, I'm still choosing to be here. I want to be together. So I'm not going to use that against you or keep referring back to that. So, um, yeah, understanding resentments, how they build up, trying not to let that happen anymore and forgiving the ones that are there is a really important part of detoxing a relationship. So you can learn some, some positive skills then to add. I think Sarah has forgiven my messiness and, and that's helped her. <laughs> that's helped our relationship a lot rather than constantly battling me. And, and telling me I need to clean up, which I know I do, but it's, it's, I'm joking, but that's kind of a thing that 
I could see someone over time it can you can create a lot of resentment and you might not even realize you're just holding this grudge against your partner and and because when you long-term relationships you almost become like it can become like a roommate and 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 that's not a place we want to be so so that is a a great tip and a great exercise for our listeners to to go through um let's move on to the yeah. next go ahead sorry okay so i was just going to say that so much of that you know people could could listen to that and think oh isn't that a little bit of a small thing to worry about whether someone's tidy or not but i think for couples what what gets in the way for us with our in our couple relationship and our family is it what it means to us you know, what does it mean to each person to have their environment looking beautiful, feeling beautiful, feeling tidy? What does it mean to feel that their partner cares enough about the environment to keep it the way that um, that they like it and that it feels good for them? You know, it's sort of going deeper, isn't it? And being able to say to your partner, look, thing is, I feel kind of out of sorts and, and a bit disrespected because the environment's not you know, you're messy in the environment. That's not how I love it to be. It's not how I love it to feel. So can you please help me to keep it nicer because it just means a lot to me. You know, that I think that's a lot easier for us to heal that situation and understand the depth of it and make real change if we hear about how it feels rather than just, you're so messy, you know, can you clean up? It, it's irritating to me. You know, that's not as easy to... Uh, feel helpful about. What would you say to somebody who, let's say Chase, for example, like he's naturally a messy person, but would it be me trying to change who he is or is it just him putting a little bit more effort in to make me happen, do something that makes me happy? Where do you find that medium? I think on one like that, we both have to give on each side. Um, I'm probably tidier than my husband too. I think it's un- it's understanding uh, that that the other person is different and not getting too hung up on it, but still asking for some help to have it a bit more the way you'd like it, and and saying what it means to you for the place to look tidy, how that helps your um, emotional state or how that helps your feeling of happiness. And perhaps if your partner understands that, then they're more motivated to help you feel better about things and try a little harder. Uh, it's not always easy to change a habit of a lifetime, so you got to be patient and a bit cool about it. And maybe you can ask, look, what can I do to help you be more motivated to pick your clothes up or <laughs> not drop your <laughs> towels? You know, what can I do? Would it be easier if we put some more hooks or, uh, or if we, you know, rearrange things? You know, look at some practical options as well. Well, from what I hear, Chase, when he was a kid, he used to make his bed every single day and hang up all his clothes. That's what his mom told me. So I have hope that he has it in him to be clean one day. Oh, I'm, for the record, I, I've cleaned up quite a bit. And I think, I think there's some deep childhood uh, sort of um, acting out against my forced cleanliness. <laughs> So, so we can dissect that on another podcast. Yes. <laughs> but it just helps you to feel free and relaxed to throw things about a bit. Exactly. <laughs> I can deal with that. <laughs> so let's go on to the next stage of creating a stronger relationship. And that is communication. Huge 
thing. We talk about it so much and we just could talk about it every episode because it's such a a foundation of a relationship and often where things go wrong. So how can we shore up our communication? I've talked about that a little already when we were speaking about uh, the way we ask for things and the, the way we can um, avoid criticism and instead say, I'm feeling this way, own our own feelings, and then uh, ask for what would help us to feel better when we're feeling numb, when we're not feeling great, asking our partner for their help. And this is a way to connect in communication rather than push each other away, uh, as I said, through criticism, which can then tend to go into defensiveness. It's really good to know your raw spots to and know the arguments that, that uh, tend to come up again and again if it's things about, for example, messiness and things like that and to know that we have these raw spots and to, to um, look at ways to, to really heal those and to feel like, well, well, we know about these, we can move on from them and not keep doing them again and again. When you feel one of your raw spots sort of getting irritated, one of these things that, that is a bugbear in your relationship, it's always good to learn skills like slowing down the, the conversation, acknowledging how you feel when you talk about this particular topic, you know, taking a breath rather than reacting, bringing in your mindfulness, asking is what I'm about to say or do here going to be helpful? And if you find that you're escalating and getting angry with one another, to say, hey, let's stop, let's not let this keep going to always have that sense of we don't let things escalate into a place where we're not on the same team. We have to keep making sure we're always kicking the ball in the same direction, so to speak. We're always playing together and not against each other. You know? And to ask in your mind, you know, what am I hoping to get out of this interaction? What, what am I hoping to uh, resolve here and to try to stay on track Skills like not bringing in all sorts of other things that annoy you when you're talking about one particular thing that you want to resolve. That doesn't work. We need to um, have that mindfulness to stay uh, with the point that we're discussing at that moment and not bring in other resentments or, um, or issues at the same time, which is sometimes in therapy called kitchen sinking because you're bringing in everything but the kitchen sink is that expression. <laughs> Well, you've mentioned it a couple of times now, and, and it's such an important thing to bring into the relationship, and that is to remember that you're on the same team. So whether we're talking yeah. about communication or intimacy or, or compromise, if you, if you think that your partner's out to get you or or you're out to get your partner, then you're just in the wrong spot. And it can be really valuable, especially if you're, you know, if your partner's criticizing you from either end, if you're criticizing your partner, realize you're on the same team. If you're receiving that, realize you're on the same team. It's just a, it's kind of cliche, but it's a, it's a valuable thing to, to tell yourself uh, in the relationship. It is so important. And it, it is one of those things that, that couples don't realise they can come to see me and they don't realise that they're behaving as though they are absolutely on opposing teams, meeting, putting on the gloves every time they speak. They've gotten to this position, but they don't see it. And it's about reminding them, hey, when you're on the same team as someone, you know, how do you behave towards them? 
don't you set a common goal and go for that? You know, you're not trying to score points against each other. It's the two of you against the world. And they can sometimes look at me with their eyes wide open as I can see them realising, oh, yeah, we forgot. We actually forgot. (laughs) And so even though it's quite fundamental, they've gotten themselves into this place where they were operating on on this automatic, conflictual kind of dynamic and kind of needed to be reminded when you get together in a couple and you choose to be there, you're actually choosing to kick the ball the same way. So when we have that in mind, that's a valuable thing to always remind ourselves. And one of the things I think it's also important to realize is that we are going to disagree. So how can we disagree and communicate respectfully with our partner. But before we continue, we want to tell you a little bit about today's sponsors. So Chase, what was the first thing we did after we found out that we were pregnant? We were pregnant? You were pregnant? (laughs) I was pregnant. (laughs) Uh, Had a panic attack? No. (laughs) After that? Uh, I don't know. I give up. Um, We got life insurance. So fun. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you do, right? You have kids, you got to be an adult and you get life insurance. Yes, but I do wish that Haven Life Insurance was around back then to make it so much easier. Yeah, Haven Life makes it super easy to get life insurance to help financially protect you and your family from the unexpected. That's what you do when you have a kid. You got to be an adult. You can apply anywhere, anytime, and on any device, and you don't have to wait weeks for approval. Plus, they offer coverage issued by Mass Mutual, a 160-year-old insurance company, so you can rest assured they are not going anywhere. I also had no idea how inexpensive life insurance was. So the average cost for a 35-year-old woman in excellent health Looking to buy a $500,000 20-year Haven term policy would cost only around $18. Yeah, we can't stress enough how Haven Life just makes it super easy to have a very important product. So to get your free quote, head over to welcome.havenlife.com forward slash I do. That's welcome.haven, H-A-V-E-N, life, L-I-F-E, dot com forward slash I do to get your free quote today. Today's episode is also sponsored by IntelliWhite. IntelliWhite is the fastest clinically proven at-home teeth whitening system in the world. And I'm officially obsessed with my cool blue platinum kit. I know I told you last week that I would update you about my experience, and I am so happy and loving my amazingly white teeth. They are, like they say, six shades whiter in less than a total of 40 minutes. I'm always super bad about whitening my teeth because I would never be consistent with the strips or the gels. But now with the IntelliWhite system only taking 40 minutes, I'm sold and I can't wait to try it out. IntelliWhite system is also one of a kind. They combine the proprietary amplifier whitening gel, that sounds fancy, and (laughs) blue light to create a special formula that no other brands have. And don't forget, if you have a last minute date and you want some pearly whites in less than 
one episode of Billions, basically, which is what we're currently binging on. Check right it now. out on Netflix. <laughs> Um, and the best part is they have a 30-day, 100% money-back guarantee. Check out IntelliWhite's cool blue whitening kit at shopintellawhite.com. That's shop, I-N-T-E-L-L-I, white, W-H-I-T-E, and use discount code IDO for 10% off. Yeah, there's there's some basic rules that, that we just need to remember to start with, some fundamental stuff that, again, couples can forget. And they may not have had these basic rules modelled to them. They may never have had an opportunity to learn them, which is why we have to make a point of learning them later if we want to have the best relationship we can. And they're things like not getting personal or name-calling, staying on the same side, remembering that how we feel about each other and how we how we uh, show each other care is what matters more than any one particular issue we might be disagreeing over. You know, sometimes you do need to be able to say, hey, you know, we see this differently and that's okay. We don't have to agree on everything. We don't have to be the same to love each other and get along beautifully. We don't have to get angry and have conflict when we don't see things the same way. The, 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 uh, one of the difficult places can be with parenting, can be with raising children, and that can be a place where uh, doing some reading, getting outside advice and reflection can help to find that place where you are both, uh, both able to give your inputs in different ways and feel that you can respect each other's ways if they're feeling like they're too different. Um, again, so much of the way we speak to each other with respect and care and with our eye on the eye on the, the same goal of getting on well, feeling loved and loving in the relationship. We need to do like a whole other podcast series on parenting and in 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 navigating these four stages through the lens mm-hmm. as parents, because it, it you mentioned just dealing with parenting and communicating around that, but just everything is, is uh, as we're finding out now, trying to record this podcast and our, our three-year-old is running around asking for cookies. Um, <laughs> everything is, is a little bit more, uh, can be more stressful, can be more dynamic. And, and so all of these tools are certainly important for everyone, but especially uh, parents. And and before we move on to the next stage, and obviously we could do episodes upon episodes just on communication and really all these stages, but are there any other major communication highlights that uh, you'd like to give our listeners? I think the take-home really is the is the kindness and the compassion and never letting the, it's a Dr. Phil, you know, Dr. Phil, I always mm. loved Dr. Phil. Yeah. And, you know, he was one of the first people we saw on Australian TV who did therapy, you know, on TV, who spoke <laughs> to people with such, you know, so sensibly. And I always remember him saying, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And that is just a great question because if we can remember that, it can pull us back from being, um, childish in arguments, you know, the worst part of childish, when we can end up uh, 
saying and doing unhelpful things, being mean to each other. At worst, people can call names or speak to each other in ways that are just horrible and that take a really long time to come back from. We know the Gottman Institute that has done research on couples for decades has found that it takes four or five, on average, lovely comments, apologetic comments, um, loving words to pull someone back in a couple after there's been one criticism or unpleasant comment. So speaking to each other in an unpleasant way and expecting to get results is, uh, is ill-advised. Criticism, being uh, unpleasant, being unloving in our words is actually highly inefficient. It's going to take you four or five tries to even get the person's trust back enough to move on with the issue. Yeah, that is a great point to to leave this stage on is is try to give four or five positive comments for every negative one. Or again, we don't want to criticize, but if you have even a, a, a negative, not a criticism, but just a, a ask or request, if you're just constantly trying to correct your partner, that can feel negative. So put those positives in there. And uh, you are going to be happier and having better intimacy and sexuality in your relationship. That will lead us to the next stage. And this is another big one. How can we improve this aspect of our relationship? Sexuality is such an enormous part of being in a couple relationship and Often, uh, even when couples come to therapy, they find it hard to speak about. They can be very distanced in the bedroom. Uh, and usually it comes down to having lost some trust in other aspects of their relationship along the way, resentments building up. When we don't feel attractive, we don't feel liked, we don't feel like our partner thinks we're great then the sexual side of the relationship immediately starts to uh, be eroded. And when over time we're not getting it right in all kinds of communication and we're not complimenting one another and we're not noticing one another as the unique individuals we are and and loving each other for that, um, when things are going wrong that we're feeling judged or taken for granted or resented or not seen, Sexuality just falls by the wayside, and then we can wonder, oh, why aren't we, why aren't we having sex, or why aren't we feeling like having sex, and not realise that uh, so much has been able to build up and get in the way. And life can do that, you know, on its own. Just being a parent, going to work, all the things we have to do, being tired, uh, trying to live up to all our responsibilities, can get in the way. Of, uh, of our sexual, our erotic life. So it takes some real concentration at times to think and to talk about how do we keep it strong and um, it takes allowing each other time to transition from all the other roles that we have to live and be to woo each other uh, in, the, in the bedroom, to put aside special times, not just night time when we're often exhausted, but to be able to find special times, uh, holidays, times away, date nights, where we can um, get some help with other responsibilities and focus on each other. And it is easier said than done. 
it takes real effort. But um, as uh, Esther Perel, as a, a therapist who gives a lot of talks on sexuality and relationships, you know, complacency is the enemy of intimacy and the erotic world. We have to put some care into it and nurture it. So I know you mentioned not judging your partner, but do you have maybe one or two specific tips that our listeners can use to implement into the relationship to kind of spice things up? Yes. I, I think, you know, the first one, really, the, the sexual relationship is not happening without the compliments, without the sense of connection outside the bedroom. Another thing Esther Perel talks about that I really like is that when we're not actually in the bedroom having sex, the rest of the time in a couple relationship, we could view it through the lens of that being foreplay all the time. You know, your partner's not going to be easily turned on if you've been criticizing them and they feel lousy about themselves. They're not going to feel easily turned on that night or the next day or when you go on a date if you've been ignoring them up till then and looking at your phone instead when they're talking, you know, instead of looking at them when they're talking to you. So you've got to look at that wider picture of your life as this is always a build-up to the next erotic connection with my partner. And if you sort of have that, that lens operating in the back of your mind with your partner, then it keeps you from being complacent, doesn't it? It keeps you focused on, you know, just in a small way at the back of things of, of well, you know, we're heading for somewhere great next time we get together because I'm thinking about what makes my partner feel good, sexy, special, interesting in all the little ways I can so that um, that everything is a build-up to being closer and not that we're going so far apart that it's going to be so difficult and take so long to get back when we try. So that's that's number one. That's really the bigger picture. Then there's all sorts of beautiful ideas that you can come up with together if you talk about what, you know, it's an intimate conversation. What turns me on? What do I think helps me get in the mood? What helps me transition from the rest of life over into uh, wanting to be intimate? So it might just be things like um, playing some music, um, uh, you can do special things for each other, compile a playlist and say why these songs are special to you. That's a beautiful idea I've heard. Um, you can get some beautiful things for the bedroom, make your bedroom beautiful, have um, lovely lighting or um, beautiful uh, sheets on the bed, whatever works for you, spend time in a bath or shower, whatever works for you. You need to talk about it and put in a little bit of planning, I think. That's that's a good start. It takes work, and, and you, you said the, the phrase, complacency kills passion. And it's easy to become complacent in all aspects of the relationship, especially long-term, longer-term relationships. Because in the beginning, the hormones are firing, you're excited, there's all this passion, everything's new. And then you settle in, and you have a three-year-old, and, and two jobs, and you're tired at the end of the day. And so everything just becomes a lot harder to, to work on the communication as Sarah and I do these podcasts that as we put together the 
course. It was hard for us to even review the course material because the time we do it is at the end of the day and we're just like exhausted and 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 between work and, and our daughter and you really have to carve out the time and what are some things in, in relation to sexuality and, and intimacy that like some specific things we can do to knock us out of that complacent point of, you know, you've been together for five, 10 plus years and, and it's just kind of the same routine. How can we get out of that? Yeah. Think about, you can think about your physical uh, environment. Think about, Different places, different ways, uh, different different uh, fantasies or ideas you can discuss. Can you write each other some? I know it takes a little time, but it doesn't have to be a novel. But can you write each other a little story at times, a couple of paragraphs of something that will be exciting? Or if you're not into writing, as I said, maybe can you make each other a playlist and say, "I'm including these songs for these reasons." Um, can you spend a few minutes to dance together or to um, do something you haven't done ever before or for a while, something like um, undress each other slowly, all these little ideas that you could come up with until you find one that really sparks you. Um, to also think about how things were at the start for you. I think that's really important to think about what was it that I loved the most? What were the things about my partner that turned me on the most? And am I still conscious of those? Am I am I aware of those, or have I let my uh, getting used to them uh, mean that I'm not noticing them anymore? Um, so just being able to have make enough distance in your mind to remember what were the things that attracted you in the first place, and to check in with those and and think about those and, and telling your partner about them. Um, I think so much eroticism comes from our imagination and our words and um, the way we express ourselves. And finding another idea from Esther Perel is, is about finding novelty in the everyday. What can you do that's a bit different, that's a bit novel, that kind of shakes things up? Because that's what's exciting about love when it, and eroticism when it first happens. It's all new. It's the process of discovery. That's all also fresh and new and unknown. But the thing is, uh, it's also quite unsettling. And, and we often don't um, enjoy ourselves in sex as much, even though some aspects of that discovery are so exciting. Sex tends to actually get better, research tells us, and, and I think experience probably does too for most of us, over time, safety does actually, safety and connection, uh, emotional closeness does actually allow for much better sex over time. But we have to keep finding what's novel, what's new. Go do adventures together, you know, do things that put you out of your comfort zone sometimes and you'll feel that um, the sexual vibe will increase around that. And they can be quite little things. They don't have to be climbing mountains. But um, you can find things that are exciting for you as a couple or, or individuals and try the other person's idea and see how it goes. It's important to communicate around this. I like how you said, write, write it down. That can be one way that it's going to be more comfortable for people to communicate about this or, or maybe it's just a 
easier way for them to express their desires. But don't think that your partner is going to read your mind and know what you want. And, and, and getting out of your comfort zone is, is going to be valuable to, to you in the relationship rather than just going forward and maybe you're unhappy and you want your partner to be more aggressive in the bedroom or more, you know, whatever it is, but you're not communicating that to them. So you expect them to read your mind or to just know. And I, I think that's a common thing. And then uh, uh, that, that happens. And on top of that, getting out of the routine and, and trying trying a new adventure, like you said. So if you, all the parents out there, we can definitely relate. We have, we have, um, Sarah calls Stella a three-nager. She's almost three. So she's, she's very much, <laughs> not, forget the terrible twos. We have a three-nager, but get that, yeah. get that babysitter and, 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 and maybe even get a babysitter for during the day. And, and, and it doesn't have to be at night and, and do something adventurous and new out of the routine. Um, is a valuable, valuable thing to, to spark the relationship. Absolutely. And, and as I said, let there be some build up to it first, even if it's some text messages between you, uh, an email between the two of you, um, the way you compliment each other in the days leading up so that you don't get there and look at each other and say, oh my goodness, I'm so tired. What are we doing here? Let there be a build up so that you can make the most of your time together. So the next aspect of reigniting the spark in your relationship is um, mindful loving and, and really looking to the future of your relationship. And I really love how you talk about creating a relationship microculture and, and what that means. And to me, that was kind of a new um something new that I didn't really think about before. And, and I just love it because it's just an amazing definition of what a relationship should look forward to and be. So do you mind going over what a relationship microculture is for our listeners? Yes, I think a relationship microculture is the acknowledgement of what we all do tend to build, but we don't always acknowledge how rich and beautiful and deep this tiny little world of our own as a couple is that that's what the microculture is it's that world of your own that only the two of you know and your family your children have some access to parts of that but it also includes that whole erotic world in there that is only the two of you and it's you might have your own little language in your microculture things you you ways you speak to each other names that are special to you, uh, you have places that are special to you for different reasons. And they might not just be fancy restaurants, they might be that the market you go to and the little seat you like to sit in in the corner and no one else really knows about that but you two and the, and the people who bring your coffee. Uh, you might have uh, a particular movie that the two of you saw that meant a lot to you. You might have fantasies that you return to again and again and acknowledging them between you can bring you closer and spark things up. Uh, our microculture is all the things that together we can share and acknowledge from the, the most tiny words we use for things that other people might find silly but that, that we understand, kind of like our own couple language. And that most people have it. They just don't always realise that it's there. So 
So it's kind of recognising that and celebrating that brings us closer and closer together. Part of that can be understanding things like uh, each other's love language. You know, it's nice to look at um, the idea of the the love languages, which comes from uh, quite a popular best-selling book. And you can find out, you know, which which ways does my it's called the five love languages, and it's it's which ways do my does my partner prefer to feel loved? You know, from um, touch through to quality time. Or maybe it might be through tokens of affection, you know, not necessarily expensive things, but specially chosen things. Um, and there's, there's different ways that people like to feel loved by their partner and understanding that about our partner can really help us to increase intimacy. I love the microculture and, and I'm sure listeners are thinking of their own relationship little quirky things or that seat at the cafe or the words, like you said. And and it's one thing, it's going to give you nice feelings to think about, but talk about it with your partner, you know, cultivate that. And this kind of leads into a, another thing you talk about for, in Mindful Loving is, is creating shared dreams and desires and communicating about that. And maybe what are some ways that a couple can have that conversation. Obviously, that's a vulnerable conversation, and that's part of becoming more intimate. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? About our, our our shared dreams and desires. Yeah, there's there's. I think it's almost like having an ongoing, you know, album that you build together in your minds. I mean, we build often photo albums, you know. Uh, but can we also be having that conversation when we have time together? They're the sort of conversations to have on date night, you know, and on special times together where you're wanting to constantly reinvigorate and recreate and deepen your intimacy. So instead of talking about, you know, kindergarten <laughs> and um, things around parenting that we often find ourselves uh, involved in, let's talk about some of our great holidays that we've had together. Let's talk about our great achievements as a couple, um, things that we've done that we're most proud of that we did together, ways we helped each other the most, you know, what were our great milestones. Let's not just take these for granted that they happened and they're, and they're behind us. Let's keep reminding ourselves of our great successes and, and celebrating them. And one of the things that um, I think is lovely to do is to have, you can do it now online on something like Pinterest, but, you know, in old school you used to make a dream board or a vision board, you know, and often we'd do that for ourselves. But we can also do that for a couple and it puts out there, you know, my husband and I did it when we were looking at moving house and location. We put pictures of, of a, a house and a place we thought was, was beautiful and um, we ended up in something not unlike that because I think a, a dream board helps you to focus your uh, minds on a similar goal. You know, it gives you that visual representation uh, of what, you, what you're going for together. helps you remember you're on the same team. And another great thing to do is to, on a road trip or a special time together where you've got lots of time, talk about things like what would your dream day be? Do you know what a dream day would be for your partner? Because if you haven't asked, you probably don't know 
what would they think would be a perfect day of their life? And why wouldn't we want to know that and be part of it, you know? So um, so that's a, a great kind of conversation to have. Talk about our milestones and, and what we would think would be the most perfect day or week. You learn a lot about each other. Um, you might have special rituals together as well. You know, I mentioned the thing about going to a particular table in a particular cafe, maybe on Sunday mornings, or the way you cook together, or some of your special meals. Let's not be complacent and take these things for granted. Let's really recognise and celebrate these things together, as this is what makes us us, and and it's beautiful to be us. Sarah and I are definitely due for one of these conversations. And I was thinking the other day, we've been together nearly 10 years now. And Sarah was just saying how, yeah, we were 22. 22. And I'm like, that feels so, so young. <laughs> long ago. And, and very young. Yeah. And, and, and just how it's like, it's so cliche, but like time flies and here we are like a decade later and so much has happened we have a three-year-old and we live in a, a in another country and 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 that's just where we're at now but in between all these great things and if you don't take the time to reflect on them and and I think we do I think we did more before <laughs> before we had Stella but but uh then it, it kind of it's easy to lose sight of it or, or take it for granted and not have that gratitude for the relationship, for the the things you've been through and for where you're at right now. And, and uh, I just can't just personally, all of these things that we've gone over today are, are so important and, but just taking the time and don't do them all at once. Don't do them, you know, pick one tiny thing and, and work on it because it is hard. It's not easy finding the time and with modern life and, and a job and, and, and certainly kids, but it, it will pay dividends in, in the happiness of your relationship and, and your personal life. So it, it it's just, uh, I, I love this because it, it's such a great, thought exercise to end on. Um, and if you can combine that with all the other things we talked about today, you're going to be in a good place. Absolutely. I mean, we've put in so many years learning how to do our work, our chosen career, either you know, at, at college or on the job or both. And, and yet our family, our relationship is why we work, isn't it? It's why we want to earn money and be useful in the world. So usually so that we can have family and friends and a wonderful personal life and, and achieve things personally. And we don't realize we need to sometimes put some learning and some time in a, in a focused way into the skills of relationship as well. It doesn't always just happen. And learning more about your relationship, a perfect way to do that is we haven't really talked about it yet on this episode, but is about the course that we're launching called Spark My Relationship, which we've worked with you and a bunch of other therapists to collaborate on a course that 
really goes into detail of these four different components that you've created. So we're so excited to be able to offer this course for our listeners and allow them to dig deeper on each one of these components to really, what we say, spark your relationship. So um, we have really enjoyed having you on the show. And before we wrap up, um, all of your information and how our listeners can find you is going to be on our course website, which is sparkmyrelationship.com. But for our listeners who want to be able to contact you directly, maybe from this episode, can you tell them where they can find you online? Absolutely. I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Dr. Deborah Campbell. And I'm on drdebracampbell.com. So it's very easy. Awesome. Well, again, this has been an amazing interview. And thank you so much for coming back on and for collaborating with this course. We hope it brings uh, so much relationship knowledge to all of our listeners. And we welcome you back anytime. I hope you you, uh, continue to help so many people with your podcast. Thank you so much for having me along today. We hope you guys enjoyed today's show. If you're feeling like you want to learn more about today's topic of adding the spark back into your relationship or even maintaining that spark for years to come, we really hope you check out our new online course, Spark My Relationship. For today only, we're offering an additional 10% off our promotional launch price, which means you can get the course at about 25% off. And not only is there a discount for today, but you'll also get today's added bonus, the great bedroom makeover. And the benefit of buying on launch day is that if we ever add any bonuses or upgrades to the course, they will always be included. But if you wait to buy, you won't get today's awesome bonus or the discount. So today is the day. I joke with Chase how the course is like our podcast, but on steroids, but it really is. We've collaborated with 15 psychologists and therapists to create a course that will help you create more passion in your relationship, help you communicate better, spice up your sex life, and even create that special couple culture that Dr. Deb was talking about. The course consists of 18 therapist taught video lessons, 21 workbooks and worksheets, over 25 relationship strengthening exercises, and four mindfulness exercises. So head on over to sparkmyrelationship.com and enter the promo code SMR10 to get the additional discount and added bonus. Again, that's sparkmyrelationship.com and enter the promo code SMR10. See you next week.